Hello, Four Sober Chicks podcast listeners. This is Lisa, and I'm joined by Dana, Heather, and Meredith. We gather here from around the world to discuss all things related to alcohol addiction, sobriety, and the various paths to recovery. We get real about the highs, the lows, and the amazing reality of living a sober life. This podcast is a creative collaboration by women, for women, and for anyone who supports women. Thank you so much for joining us today. We've got a very exciting topic today that we're all so happy to share with everybody here. We're talking about living our lives newly sober and what it's all about for all of us. So we're gonna share our different experiences and probably pipe in saying, yeah, I feel that too. (laughs) But there's gonna be a lot of uh, fun stuff that we're gonna share today. So today's a fun episode and I'm gonna start with Dana. Dana, why don't you start by telling us what it's like for you to live a life newly sober? Thanks, Lisa. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Um, Yeah, newly sober can be exhilarating. It can be joyful and happy and exciting, and it can also be very terrifying. Um, And, you know, in my newly sober life, the first few weeks were like white knuckling it. I was hanging on by the skin of my teeth and just trying to get through the cravings and trying to get through navigating what life is going to be like for me. Um, And it was interesting. It was, you know, at that first week, I I quit drinking the week before Labor Day. So I quit drinking the the week before a three-day holiday weekend, (laughs) which (laughs) I don't know if that was smart or not, but By that Friday, I was like, you know what? I said to my husband, I'm like, do you think maybe I could just have one? And he's like, if you have one, you'll wake up Monday morning after 10 and forget everything. So, you know, that really kind of helped me stay on track. Um, And, you know, they they have this, I I just fully immersed myself in Quitlet and, you know, Mm -hmm. looking for anything, support online, friends, whatever. I was, it was very, um, awkward at first. I didn't tell anybody at first. My husband was the only one who knew, um, because I was so afraid of failure that I didn't want to tell anybody until I was a couple of months in. And even going out with friends, you know, people were like, Oh, where's your beer? And I'm like, "Mm, I'm just not Mm -hmm. feeling it today. Um, you know, it's, you get that awkward feeling of not, you know, sometimes not knowing who you are because you've been drinking for so long and it makes you a different person than, you know, when you go out, it's like, oh, how am I supposed to act? What am I supposed to do? (laughs) Um, So I, you know, being newly sober was eye-opening for me. um, And I had to grab onto the idea that this was better for me. This is where I needed to be. This is a lifestyle. This wasn't a, you know, diet off of, off of alcohol. It was something that was going to change my life. Um, and people talk about the pink cloud, which I'm sure some of you Mm -hmm. will talk about as well. Um, and I rode that as much as I could, and I still feel like it's in my life. Um, and Hey Dana, 
Yeah. Can you, can you explain to people what that is? Cause I don't, I mean, I want everyone who listens to this to be able to know what that is. Yeah. The, the pink cloud is this, you know, happy, excited place that you are, you just feel almost high. You know, I don't know how else to explain it. You just, you have this elated feeling that you just have a whole new life in front of you and, and you want to do everything all at once. Um, and there's a point where you have to get down to the reality of things. And sometimes that pink cloud um, lasts for six months for people. Sometimes it's a year. They say after 18 months, it really starts. That's when you just, you know, if you're still feeling some of that, then that's actually where you need to be. That's your real life. You feel that real joy and, and um, you know, those experiences. But if there's a point where that, that goes away and real life starts settling in and that's where people find the relapse that's where people find the cravings that's where people are like oh crap like i thought this was going to be all joy and fun and happy and now all the feels are coming along and all of the real life that i was hiding and numbing for the past several years is like hitting me face first you know with a fist um it's like so, the, the honeymoon period, right, Dana? Yes. Like a honeymoon period. Yes. And it's, it, you know, if, if you get smacked with that, I've been sober over 500 days. I think I'm like at 540 or somewhere about there. January was tough for me. January is where I started not feeling the feels, but feeling very overwhelmed with where my life is going and how I'm living my life and, um, you know, that imposter syndrome, like, is this, mm -hmm. is this really where I'm supposed to be? Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, and I had to sit with that and it took me a month to sit with that. Um, so, I mean, I, I technically still consider myself newly sober because it's, you know, it's been, it's been 18 months and, um, you know, that's where, that's where that cloud, but I, I, you know, I pushed it up back up again where I have that cloud. I feel like it's a light pink. <laughs> It matches my pink cave, um, you know, but it's, you know, that reality, it, it does smack you in the face. And I had to sit with it to realize what was going on. Like, okay, that whole honeymoon period is over. Now this is real life. Is this where I want to be? Am I going in the right direction? And I feel I am. And I, you know, February is back to, back to normal. <laughs> so that's amazing. So like, so what is it like day to day? like it how is it different like is there anything that you can say oh my gosh I don't experience that anymore or oh my gosh this is something new that I've been able to enjoy because of being sober or yeah I mean I always had sleep problems so okay. the sleep thing for me is still an issue but not nearly like it was when I was drinking um Every day, I feel like my memory is getting better. My memory is getting clearer. I have more focus. I have more clarity. Um, I don't have to Google everything anymore. Like, <laughs> I actually remember things now, which is really fun. <laughs> um, you know, and I feel more engaged, more present, um, mm -hmm. you know, and more joyful. I am just a, a, a happy person these days and while I still have daily challenges it's so much easier to get through them and they're they they're not this big you know the problems are this big and that's you know 
they're not mm -hmm. blown out of proportion or anything. <clears throat> Couldn't agree with you more about the memory part there. Oh my gosh, I, I was a big, still am, a big list person. I like to write everything down because I'm like, I'm going to forget it. I'm going to forget it. I'm going to forget it. And I have been noticing that I still do my lists because I just love checking stuff on my <laughs> I still do my lists, but sometimes I don't even look at them throughout the day. And um, I go to them at the end of the day and I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't have to remind myself 17 times to go back to the list. What am I supposed to be doing now? I, I'm like, I've done all this stuff today. I just did it because I remembered to do it. Um, I know exactly what you mean, but bit by bit, like it's just, I would say I'm coming up on two years. And so similar to you, Dana, and um, it's it's taken some time, definitely taken some time. Yep. I didn't notice much of a change in the first year, but it comes. Like I, yeah. I would say yeah. to somebody newly sober, it comes. Yeah, it comes. absolutely. And so does empathy and kindness and love mm -hmm. and like all sorts of happy feelings that I haven't had in a very, very long time, especially mm -hmm. for myself. Um, and I hope that the people that are listening realize that too. If you do the work, if you, you know, work mm -hmm. through the issues that you have of why you were drinking in the first place and, and really truly take the challenge on that self-love and awareness and joy that you find is so, it just like resonates through, through your body and your soul. And I just, I mean, it's just an amazing, I love waking up every day. Not yep. before. And I just, that, that has come only within the last few months as well is mm -hmm. I wake up and I'm like, Oh my God, I get another day. Yes. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. so. And I think it, for, for me, hindsight in sobriety is always 2020. Yeah. Like you will wake up one day and you will feel like you're thinking, you're like, when did that happen? But it's just this slow progression of stuff that you start to realize is is changing. And like Dana said, in the beginning, this is not easy. Like, I don't ever want to paint the picture that choosing to not drink for honestly, whatever duration of time that you're talking about, whether it's <clears throat> dry January, whether it's a full year or whether it's for the remainder, this is not an easy thing to do at all it's really important that you find community. Um, it's really important that you talk to people about it. I, I feel like that was something that held me back is I did just what Dana did and, and maybe all of us. I told no one except for my husband. He was the only one that knew I was not drinking anymore. And I feel like I had to get okay with it for me yes. and be able to justify it. And when people were like, well, why don't you drink anymore? I was like, I need to be like, firm in my answer. I don't even know what my answer is. Um, but now, you know, when people who don't know me ask me, I, I was like, you know, I just had a really unhealthy relationship with alcohol yeah. and they're like, Oh, okay. I don't have to tell them that I was a full bore addict, you know, and, and maybe that story will come out, um, sooner, but it is tough, but you have to remember it is so worth it. And you are tougher than mm -hmm quitting drinking. I, that was what I was telling myself literally the first day was this is going to be really tough, but today I'm tougher than that. Yeah. Um, and so it was kind of like that self pep talk. Yeah. Um, but then you also add into detoxing 
um, I don't know if any of you, Heather, I, I think you had mentioned that when your body is not getting something that it's used to getting, not only does it feel like crap, you've got a crazy chemical imbalance going on in your brain because your brain has literally ramped up certain chemicals to balance out the alcohol. It's like, it's so crazy. When you get an upper, your brain's job is to stay at homeostasis. It's, it's designed to stay comfortable. So it is going to push chemicals to negate this high. Hence why hangovers suck. That's because your body, your brain has created chemicals to bring your body back down to homeostasis. And then it just feels like crap. So you have so much stuff going on in your body that the detox part, I mean, whether it's waking up profusely sweating, whether it's shaking, like I remember one morning I woke up and I said, I genuinely feel like the only way to make my body feel better is to have a drink of alcohol. Like I knew that would calm everything down. But then I was also at that point. I'm like, I am at that breaking point to where if I go back, I'm never going to get here again. And again, I had to say, I am tougher than what today is bringing me. Um, so yes, while sobriety is amazing and beautiful and you get clarity and you, your body feel, feels good. I mean, if I get a bad night's sleep now, I'm like, oh, that really sucked. But when I was hung over and got a bad night's sleep, I remember how bad that felt. And I never want to go back to that again. So it is a beautiful and amazing journey, but it does not come without some hard ass work. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why in our last episode, I said for you to be able to surround yourself with people who respect that, whether they're on the same boat or not, but if they can support you in any way, shape or form, that's, that's huge. Um, even if it's one person, one person, um, to give you that. Um, and Dana, you had also said, like, for me, alcohol determined my personality, who I was going to be that night. Yeah. It was either the fun Meredith or, um, the crazy Meredith, but it, was how I got comfortable in social situations, especially to be outgoing, to be um, the fun one and all that. And so when I decided to quit drinking, I was like, am I, am I still going to be that person, mm -hmm. you know, that everyone is expecting me to be. And again, that was when I just totally stepped back from all of it. You know, the people that I hung out with that had the same issues um, or just, that was just their lifestyle and, and nothing against them at all. Um, it just wasn't fitting, uh, where I was, but, um, I think for me in the initial that I had to tell myself that I was tougher than that day and, and the toughness that was coming from not drinking. And then, um, the detoxing part, I mean, once, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I threw up. I mean, it's crazy what your body goes through. But then I also know people who probably drank more than I did and they didn't have one detox symptom, not one. And so again, I'm not saying that if you choose to quit drinking, you're going to have this horrible detox because you, you may not. Um, but I also think that just knowing that that's a possibility, I know more people than not that have had just horrific, mm -hmm. um, your body just feels blah. I think I want to just jump in here and say, like, depending on how much you drink, 
before you stop, it is important to get medical advice because people can die from detoxing. Your blood pressure can drop, your heart can slow down and people die. So um, <clears throat> I was a binge drinker when I was talking about like the detoxing process, our brains, it takes 90 days for the alcohol to leave our brains. And those are kind of the, the, the side effects of, of, you know, putting alcohol in your, in your body. Everybody experiences that. However, if you're experiencing symptoms like Meredith was discussing, make sure you have something, you know, not everyone goes through the same thing, but it can be really, really dangerous. Um, so please make sure if you have a trusted physician or a friend that you can make sure that you is monitoring you. I just want to throw that in there because some people don't realize how dependent their bodies have become mm -hmm. on alcohol. And like Meredith is mentioning, how it changes your brain chemistry, how it changes your, your physiology. Um, and, you know, it's really important because you're craving that alcohol because your body's trying to return it to normal, um, you know, so. Did you have, did you want to say anything else, Meredith? I kind of just wanted to hop in. Nope, nope. I, I mean, just thinking back to what my first um, few months, honestly, and, and I didn't detox until I crapped for months, but, you know, that was a good couple of weeks. Um, those are, I would say those are the main things that stuck out to me is I had to focus on that day, not, oh my God, I've committed to this for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, it was literally like when they say a day at a time, that's no joke. Like I had to wake up saying, just like Dana, you said, I woke up today. I am still sober. We are going to have another sober day. And tomorrow is because that's another big thing. A lot of people are like, I don't know if I can fully commit to saying I'm never going to drink alcohol again. And I go, that's fine. Just take it a day at a time, a yeah. day at a time. And those people, those day at a time people, they are the five years sober. They are the three years sober, you know? So it's not like, um, it's not like you have to quit and say, nope, for until I die, I'm never having alcohol again. I get that question all the time. They're like, so like when your kids get married, you know, your daughters, are you going to have a glass of champagne? And I was like, I don't, I don't feel like I actually, so now in my sobriety, I've been through it so long. I can, I can say yes, hundred percent. I don't yeah. need a glass of champagne to celebrate my daughter's wedding. But before I said, I'm at the point where I'm not making that decision in this moment. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't need to make a decision that's 10 years, hopefully down the road, um, to, to where I have to make a, a huge decision based on where I'm at right now in recovery. Um, so I think that, that those were my, those were my things that I can um, definitely pinpoint in my beginning journey. And I, like I said before, sparkling water was my favorite, my best friend <laughs> still is. Yeah. I definitely agree with like, well, a lot of what you guys have said. Um, but the drink thing is like, there are so many parts of this that feel like you're different and you're not like everyone else and you can't do things, you can't go places. And, um, and initially that may be true. So for me, like I tried to go to the bars that I hung out with my friends when I was newly sober. Mind you, I had 10 weeks to separate myself. I was in rehab for 10 weeks. And so I did learn to kind of like get through the day to day um, there was very little pink cloud because I was in full on group 
and individual therapy at all times. So it was like a barrage of like, now you feel the feels. It's all here. It's all happening. We're doing it. It's at a scheduled amount of time and you're doing it. Um, so, but I was at that point, you know, as you guys have heard with my shit, with my story, there was no question. I had tried to blow my life up. Like this was the solution and I was ready for it. And then when I went home, I had to learn how to do that in real life. And that was where like, okay, I was like, oh, I can try to hang out with my friends in the same places that I used to be. Mm -hmm. And that was awful. And it was, I just sat there like, these are all the things I can't do. I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't drink that. I can't, I'm not in this conversation, not at the same level. Like, and I'm like, why am I here? Why am I doing this to myself? This isn't, this is not helpful right now. Um, and so I needed to remove myself from that environment. I also needed to remove myself from all situations like that, because at that time, my husband and I were living in separate cities so that our kids could go to school. And we had to make the really difficult decision to pull my kids out of the school so we could all live together as a family because I needed to have that support. And man alive, like as a mom who, like everything's about my kids, having my sobriety, my recovery, my alcoholism affect yet another part of their lives was really devastating and I got pushed back from the school because they didn't know what was going on and and but I had to just like I knew in my heart that was the right choice and so I needed to have support and my husband who's phenomenal said you know what um, I'm not going to drink if you're not drinking I'm not going to drink so um, I had this incredible support not we emptied the house of alcohol and he didn't drink. So I always had one person in the room with me that was on the same, same. And I am so grateful for that. Like now he has a couple of beers once in a while, but um, in that initial time when I needed that, and not everybody does that, but I am so grateful that I had that. Um, and then, like I've mentioned before, I had therapy, I had a recovery coach and I went to meetings on a regular basis and meetings were because I was so isolated and I was in this rural part of China and I was, the, the culture of where we were living was very alcohol heavy. I had to have something that, that was my sobriety community. And so meetings was, was where I was able to find that and find people speaking in the same, talking about things I needed to hear, talking about, um, how they were rebuilding their lives, talking about how they were going on and having fun. I never thought I was gonna have fun again. And my life was so, I drank alcohol to bring me up. I drank it down to bring me down. I, you know, when I was happy, when I was sad, when things were good, when they were bad. So I didn't actually know how to like regulate emotions without it. And so I needed to learn how to do that. And that's like, not in the terms of like intellectually, of course I knew how to do that intellectually, but I knew how to put it, I had to learn how to do it, put it into practice. And so having the community reminded me of like, oh, well, I can say no. I, I can actually not go to that event. Uh, and I don't, I don't have to worry about other offending other people or um, I can go to bed early, like, or I can choose to, I can pull my kids from school 
and make a decision that I'm going to have to put myself first at this time so that I can recover. And mm -hmm. maybe I'm going to show my kids how to ask for help and how to accept help and how to heal when you're hurt. Um, maybe that's a lesson they're going to learn, you know, like I had to come to terms with a lot of stuff initially and I had to work for it really, really had to work for it every single day. Like you guys said, like I literally have it tattooed on the inside of my wrist in Thai. It's one day at a time um, because I needed that reminder of that when I look down, like this is something that I can only do for today. And I got to do my best today. And at the end of the day, I, I inventory it. Did I do what, what could I change? Not to beat myself up, but how could I improve? What could I work on? And then it's a new day. And um, eventually the laughter returned. Eventually having a good time and feeling okay in my skin returned. Eventually people started trusting me again. I did what I said I was gonna do. I have not lied since I got sober. Not even a white lie. I don't like, I used to manipulate the shit out of all kinds of things. And if I didn't want to do stuff or, you know, oh, I don't feel well, or, you know, whatever it is, I don't do that. I don't, because I feel like I was so dishonest to myself and to other people. So like for me initially, now I'm getting my pink cloud. I didn't have it initially. Now I'm learning to live within recovery. So, um, it comes. Now I laugh hysterically at stupid things again, which I, it's, it, that took a while. Um, so yeah, I think that it's important that people realize, but it is the best thing that I could have done for myself and my family. And I am constantly reminded of how different I am as a person yeah. when, and when like, there's no drama. I was surrounded by drama. There was always drama going on in my life. <laughs> There's no drama. I <laughs> will. Lies is in itself. I mean, you think of all, when you do lie about something, all the anxiety and you know, what did I say and how did I say it? Like, there's so much anxiety that comes with that. So that when you pull that out of your life, there's, oh, wow, it doesn't have to be this dramatic. <laughs> Well, and that for me was also a reminder of like in the event I'm presented with a situation where I was like, well, I could say this. I will literally say, I'm like, this was the drunk Meredith who would yeah. lie about this. You are no longer that person. And as sucky as the truth may be at this point, but I'm the exact same way. Um, you, not that you, I mean, it, it could have been just white lie stuff, you know, when I was drinking, but, um, yeah, the lying part is huge. Um, my mom did that. Yeah. I mean, it was, but again, I didn't realize that until I got sober. You know, so again, hindsight is always 2020. You are going to start to find things that were a common theme with you yeah. drinking. And then when you're not, you're like, wow, okay, <laughs> that's, that's definitely different. One thing that I definitely had to step back from was rationalization, which is close to the line bit um, mm -hmm. where, you know, I really, I rationalized the shit out of everything. I could, 
you know, something ridiculous. I could rationalize why I was or not doing um, on a daily basis. And I, I found that that is one skill set that I'm so good at that I still I still have to to pull back like because I still do it here and there and I'm like oh I can't <laughs> like this is not this is not a good skill set to have in this situation <laughs> but that that spoke to me with the lying versus mm -hmm. the rationalization and yeah because it's true rationalization, you're lying to yourself right that's yeah, what you're doing and the line can be so so thin like am I being lazy or am I just giving myself a self-care day right do I deserve this or am I you know like or do I need it well and that was my rationalization with drinking is I deserved to drink Absolutely. a bottle and a half of wine I justified everything life you is know, hard to, yeah, yep. is, yeah I'm a mom of young kids yeah. I mean COVID kudos to anyone who got sober during COVID. Yes, I mean, I, if I were still a drinker that I swear to you, that probably would have killed me. I'm not even joking when I say that. So kudos to you on taking that the opposite direction. For me, it was actually COVID that was a catalyst actually. Yeah. For the first two weeks of COVID, I was like, woohoo, it's COVID. This is a great excuse. And um, I just went nuts those first two weeks. And then that was when I hit my own like personal rock bottom and went, oh my gosh, is this how I yeah. want the rest of my life looking? So there's actually COVID that was a, a bit of a catalyst for it. And COVID, I had amazing. great, great gratitude and appreciation because I've shared with you guys, our town was locked down. We could not access alcohol. Mm -hmm. And um seeing people scramble for it to get it to get it delivered to try to do that and and you know I live in the UAE our town was locked down for 125 days it was during Ramadan like there's a lot of things that kind of um regulate alcohol in our lives and in our communities and so like you couldn't have it delivered because it was Ramadan and so like there was all of these barriers and I just thought I am so grateful that this is not in my life and this is not something I even have to think about or consider. Like, yeah. what a blessing that is because it would have just made everything worse. On the flip side, I'm yelling at the beer distributor because they didn't have my beer. <laughs> like, I think I might have a problem here. <laughs> Driving well, to and, and and, you know, getting my trunk full of cases of beer so I wouldn't run out I, that's just sad. well and and I do think that COVID created a lot of unhealthy drinking habits I'm not going to say it created alcoholics Absolutely. because that's yeah. that's your spectrum that you have to put that on but again I think that's why another big reason why we're doing this is yes there was a huge event that happened not only to us, I mean, it was the entire world, you know, and in the event that this strikes a chord with you or anyone that you know, like we, our job is to get the word out there that, um, that I mean, I, I saw it on social media. I literally saw moms drinking at nine o'clock in the morning and they were hammered by lunchtime, you know, and, um, 
it's funny because it's the one unregulated substance that can literally do what meth does, cocaine. I mean, it can take your life like that. It can take everything that you own, everyone you care about, everything can go to the wayside. Um, so I think it's important that that's another reason why we want people to share this podcast is we do know that there was a lot of not good stuff happening the last couple of years. Um, and hopefully, hopefully we can help some people, um, kind of get rid of that. Yeah. Isolation and fear. I mean, those were two major components of this, uh, and, and loss of routine and all of those things that like really, put people into a place where they're uncomfortable and they struggle. Like those are the things that you see, you know, like, you know, you've talked about Dana, you know, your divorce, you know, that's like a, ma a major change and COVID was much like that, like this huge uh, disruption of our lives. And, and then you're isolated at that, you know, whether you're half a few people or you, or you're stuck in your house with three other people like and you can't get away from them like there's both sides of that but it's you know um I agree I think that we, one we saw this this surge but the other thing and this is the COVID blessing is that we started to look at how we could change the way people access mental health and you know we're going to talk a lot on the show about she recovers they went online and now have you know, two meetings a day plus special meetings and serve thousands of women. Um, and, you know, there's in the rooms.com, there's tons of different like areas where now insurance companies are allowing online sessions to be reimbursed. We have all kinds of organizations that are set up now to do mental health online. Um, my therapy all went online. I did not have to miss a session. And when you think about access to mental health, one of the biggest barriers is transportation, you know? And like, so you've removed this barrier. Now people are in their own home and they can access services. Like what an amazing thing that has come out of that, that that's now become normalized. And don't get me wrong, human connection, being in the same room, all of those things are very, very important. And if you can't get to that point, there's also this other alternative, you know, where mm -hmm. you can access it. So um, I have, a, you know, both of those things came out. We had great need and then we got great services that were kind of provided. Yeah, absolutely. The connection is huge. It's absolutely, they say, I remember in our recovery coaching course, they talked about, um, two big things that you have to bring into your life are joy and connection. They're sort of like the antidote, you know, and we talked about COVID, those two things are kind of like both ripped away and it was like, okay, how do we cope with all this? So, um, but yeah, the joy and the connection, bringing those two things back into your life. I, at the beginning, I, I treated every, I treated sobriety like it was my job. Like I just, I, it was something I did every day. It wasn't, I didn't say the one day at a time thing, but it, it was like, I am priority number one. This is what I'm working on today. Like if I'm going to do this, then I want to do it like all in. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I just, I made myself a number one priority at the beginning. And I definitely had that pink cloud for sure, but it did, it did sort of 
peter out after a while um but yeah it's uh it's it at the beginning it was you know and we've all touched on this and you've all told sort of your experiences and the whole time i've been listening and thinking yep 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 there's so many things that you guys have already talked about that exactly i had the same experience um so yeah thank you all so much for sharing today this has been a really great episode and i hope everyone enjoyed it and uh yeah we'll have many more so thanks so much for joining and uh, we'll see you all again bye thanks. bye bye thanks so much for joining us today we appreciate you and wish you the best on your sober adventures for more information and details on upcoming episodes, check us out on YouTube or Instagram at 4SoberChicks. That's number four, Sober Chicks. We welcome your feedback and look forward to being with you on the next episode.